Hello again, everyone. This is Pastor Mark Page. Welcome back to my Word from God podcast. It's time for a word, a word from God. Hey guys, welcome back to my Word from God podcast. This is Pastor Mark Page. I'm going to start this podcast out with a song that I wrote. I hope you like it. It's called The Hill. I pray that you would remember what Jesus has done for us, especially today as we celebrate his resurrection. This song is by 6-8 Worship.
dust will sound and shake the night And with a mighty shout from the Lion of Judah We will rise to everlasting life We will rise to everlasting life Happy Easter! Today is the day that we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Uh, the, the one thing that sealed our salvation, that our King is alive, that He's with us to this day through His Holy Spirit. And I just want to say to you, God bless you. I'm so glad you're back with me. I just want to share a quick uh, message. It's kind of like too many messages in one, and it's going to answer two questions. The first question that my message today called what if, is what if he didn't rise again? What if Jesus did not do what he said he was going to do? And the second question is what if he's alive? What if he did rise? What are the implications for for you and for, for me as believers in Jesus if he did rise? Or even what are the implications for you if you don't know Jesus, if Jesus rose again? That's kind of the two thoughts and questions that I want to try to help you answer today. And the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to read a couple of the accounts of Jesus' resurrection so we can get a kind of a full perspective. And then I'm just going to dive into answering those two questions. I'm going to look at 1 Corinthians 15, and then I'm going to look um, in answering the second question. I'm going to look in several places to lay out what God would have us to do if he did rise again. I'm going to start in Matthew. We'll just go in order. Now, after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and set on it. His countenance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid. For I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen as he said. Come, see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead, and indeed he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So they went out quickly from the garden with fear and great joy and ran to bring the disciples' word. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them, praise the Lord, saying, Rejoice. So they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brethren to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. That's Matthew's account. Now I want to turn to Mark's account. It says, Now when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, brought spices, a little more detail here, that they might come and anoint him. Very early in the morning, on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen, S-U-N, and they said among themselves, Who will roll away the stone from the door for us? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away, for it was very large, and they entered the tomb, 
They saw a young man clothed in a long white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. That's the right side of the tomb. But he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go tell his disciples that he is going before you into Galilee. And in Luke, Luke chapter 24, it says, Now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb bringing spices, which they had prepared. But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened as they were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. Then as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. And I love the different perspectives here. God reveals himself to people in so many different ways. The fundamental truths of these passages is absolutely the same, but the the perspectives are different. It's so interesting to me to see how um, God changes the perspective for different people, but keeps the truth intact. Let's turn to John, and then we will uh, we'll get into talking about it. In John chapter um, 20, It says this, Now on the first day of the tomb, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him. Peter went out therefore and were going to the tomb and so they ran together and the other disciple outran Peter and he came to the tomb first and he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen cloths lying there Yet he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. And he saw the linen cloths lying there, and the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded together in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who came to the tomb first, went in also, and he saw, and he believed. For as yet they did not know the scripture, that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away again to their own homes. But Mary stood outside by the tomb weeping, and as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. Then they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Now when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, Why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him, Rabboni, which is to say teacher, or Rabboni. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father, but go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father and to my God and your God. Then it says, Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things to her. After this, we see that Jesus goes and he he meets with his disciples and he says, peace be with you. He shows them his hands and his side and they believe. And then we see he breathes on them and they receive the Holy Spirit. And then he gives them the challenge in Acts or in the end of Luke to to wait and then acts to wait in the upper room till the spirit has fully come. 
He reveals himself to over 500 eyewitnesses during this next period of time and uh, before he ascends to the Father. So it's very clear, though, in reading all four of these passages that Jesus has risen from the dead. There's absolutely no way to say that the Bible does not claim a physical resurrection of Jesus. And if we're truly going to be believers in Jesus, then we must believe in the resurrection. Now, back to our first question, what if he's not risen? I'm going to turn to 1 Corinthians 15, 12, and we're going to look at a passage that the Apostle Paul shared with the church at Corinth about this very issue. Some were saying he wasn't raised from the dead and that there was no resurrection from the dead at all. It says this, Now if Christ has preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. Yes, and we are found to be false witnesses, that means liars, of God, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he did not raise up. If In fact, the dead do not rise. For if the dead don't rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ has not risen, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then also all who have fallen asleep in Christ have actually perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, then we are of all men the most pitiable. So what is Paul saying here? To answer the first question, what if Jesus did not rise again? What if Jesus was just another man, another prophet who lived and spoke and taught and just died? What if the lies that those who uh, made up stories about the body being stolen, what if, what if the bribes from the Pharisees uh, were true. What if Jesus is still dead? And Paul is clear. I'm going to give you a few points, a few truths about Christianity if Jesus Christ is not alive to this day. And I don't mean alive like the heavenly sky fairy living in our hearts, like the memory of him is alive. I'm, I'm talking about physically alive, physically resurrected, overcome the grave. The pangs of death couldn't hold him. Death could not hold you down. You are the risen king walking among your church in the lampstands of your church in Revelation. I'm talking about a God who is now ascended to the Father after commissioning his servants. If he is not alive, this is what Christianity is for us. If Christ is not risen, then number one, stop preaching. Stop preaching. He says this, if he's not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. Number two is this, your faith is void. There is no substance to what you believe, so therefore you are just believing on thin air. If Jesus is not alive to this day, there is no substance. There's nothing holding up your belief. It's just an empty belief and an empty God and, a, and an occupied grave. Now, I don't believe that, but that's what Paul is saying. Third, if Jesus is not physically resurrected from the grave, we are false witnesses of God. Number three is we 
are in a lie. We believe a lie. If Jesus is not raised from the dead, if he wasn't Messiah, if he wasn't Messiah and he didn't die and go in the grave and come out on the third day according to the scriptures, then we believe a lie. And we are actually worse than that. We're testifying a lie as if it is the truth. Because he says we, especially the early church and the apostles, he says, for we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he didn't raise up if he didn't raise him up, if in fact the dead do not rise. Now, Paul obviously believed in the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ because he met him face to face on the road to Damascus. He was blinded by the light of God there. But the point is this. So many people in the world today believe only a natural way of life. So many people have dismissed the supernatural as if it doesn't exist because we've gotten comfortable in our natural. We've gotten comfortable um, taking care of ourselves and, and, and especially in the United States of America where we have so many things available at our fingertips. We, uh, we fall into the trap a lot of times of not um, living in the supernatural because we're comfortable in the natural. He says, for if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. Number four, or number five, whatever, number five. If Christ is dead, what if he's dead? Okay, what if he's still dead? Then stop having faith. Go look somewhere else. Go start looking under rocks. Go to another religion. If Jesus is dead, he is just like every dead religion. Your faith is futile. And even worse, number six, you haven't been saved from sin, so you don't know where you're going to go when you die. There's no hope for you if Christ is not risen. If Jesus Christ is still in the grave, guys, hear me, you are still in sin. Hopeless, lost as a Gentile, a non-Jew outside of the love of God. If Jesus is not raised from the dead physically, then everyone who's ever died is gone forever. And atheism and so many other sects and groups would say that once you die, there's nothing left. That once you die, you just go and the worms eat you and it's just a miserable end to a miserable existence that didn't mean anything anyway. You're just another dead animal. If Jesus Christ is not risen from the dead, then that is the, that is the future for us. But I know that Paul said to live as Christ and to die as gain. I know that the word says that I desire a better, a heavenly country. And I know that the word says that Jesus is risen. And finally, the last point is this. If Jesus is not risen, then those who believe that he is are the most pitiable, miserable people on earth. Because to have Christ as a, a man who lived a perfect life and died on the cross but didn't raise from the dead, arise from the dead, excuse me, 
to believe in a, a Jesus Christ who didn't rise from the dead would just to be to believe in a, another man. And we're the most miserable if we believe that Jesus is still dead. I, I don't want to um, say anything bad about one of our founding fathers, but Thomas Jefferson um, took the Bible and he removed all the supernatural and he tried to live his life by just the things that Jesus said in the natural. And I, I'll tell you this, there's a lot of good Proverbs in the Bible. There's a lot of good stories in the Bible. There is so much truth for life in Proverbs even, literally. And, and you see that Jesus was wise and he was a rabbi, he was a teacher. And so there is a lot of good in the Bible without the supernatural. But there is no hope in the Bible for a future without the supernatural. There is only temporary gain if Jesus Christ is still dead to this day. So if he died, guys, and he stayed dead, there is no hope. That's, that's the answer to the first question. There's no hope other than to just, as Ecclesiastes says, to eat, drink, and to be merry. And then you die. But I truly believe today that there's something else, that there's something more. I truly believe today that the grave could not contain the king of life. I truly believe that Jesus poured out his self one time, poured his soul out as an offering for sin, Isaiah, but that he would see the fruit of his labor, that he would prolong his days. And I truly believe that our king of kings is resurrected, alive. So this is my question. My, my second question is, if Jesus is raised from the dead, if he did rise up, if he is alive, then what do we do with Jesus? What do you do with Jesus if he's truly alive? I'm going to give you just a couple of my thoughts. I, I'm not even going to use the notes. I'm just going to share my heart with you. If Jesus Christ is risen from the dead, according to the scriptures, and if he is risen from the dead, just like he said, if Jesus Christ went and revealed himself to 500 eyewitnesses, if he revealed himself to doubting Thomas and let him put his his hands in his nail scars and in his side, and if Jesus Christ is alive today, then our lives should be radically changed by him. And here are a few of the things that I think that we can do better at as the church. If Jesus is truly raised to life, we, we read four different accounts where four different perspectives were shown about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If Jesus is raised from the dead, then what he said after the resurrection should be the most challenging, energizing, powerful thing that we've ever heard. And I just want to talk through a few, a few thoughts with you right here. If he's alive, then the church is his bride. If he's alive, then every word he spoke on earth is true. From Genesis to the end of Revelation, every word that has been given by inspiration of God is absolutely true and life-changing, and life-altering for you and for me. And we have got to stop doubting the truth, stop dodging the implications of the truth, stop dodging the challenge that Jesus gave to us. We've got to realize that this is a one true God. This is the King of glory. This is the King of kings. Once he came humbly, he's coming back. 
every word of everything he spoke is absolutely true. If you deny me in front of your friends, I'll deny you in front of my, my heavenly father. If you deny me, then I'll deny you when I come back with my holy angels. There are so many things that Jesus said, so many loving things and so many hard things and so many tough things. But every single word of Scripture is absolutely true. Guys, this is life-changing right here. We, we get so caught up in, up in the transcendental, like, existential, yeah, spirituality. Guys, there is actual tangible reality for us. It's not just this, this floating spirit, although the Holy Spirit is so powerful and life-changing that it's amazing. We have something to hold on to that gives us direction. First thing, every word of his Bible, every word that he spoke is absolutely true. The second thing is he has commissioned us to share this word with other people. Acts 1.8 says, And you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and even to the ends of the earth. And Jesus gave the great commission where he said, Go ye therefore into all the nations and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all the things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always even to the end of the age. His word is true, and we have a mission, guys. We have a mission. What things in your life, what doubts are keeping you from your mission for Jesus Christ? I challenge you today to believe that he's risen and to act on it, because it's one thing to be a hearer of a good word. It's another thing to be a doer, and it's another thing to be someone who's a testifier of what God has done in your life. You know what? It's time that we stop riding the coattails of our parents and our grandparents and their spirituality. And it's time that this generation steps up to the plate. I'm 26 years old. I don't want to waste one minute of my life doing anything that Jesus doesn't want me to do. And my heart and my prayers that you wouldn't either. Don't be content with just showing up to church or watching a live stream or listening to good music. Don't even be content with doing all the right things. The church of Jesus Christ should not be content with doing anything less than what Jesus commissioned us to do, to go and make disciples. In order to make disciples, you have to go somewhere. In order to make disciples, you have to find the lost somewhere. And then you have to share the message of life with them. And I would say this today. His, his word is true. We have a mission. And then I, w- I want you to think about this. Someone is dying without the hope that you know about right now. Someone in, in your county will die without him. Someone in your town will die without Jesus, never knowing the grace and the mercy and the hope that he has offered for them? Are we content to allow somebody to die that we could have reached? I tell my students at Crestview Baptist Church a lot. um, It's a perspective thing. I tell them that if there was a field of, of orphans 
in our community. We hear about stories about countries that are so distant, you know, and so far away that they don't have food or shelter and there's orphans running the streets. And for us in the United States of America, that's a foreign concept, but in India and in Africa and so many other places around the world and third world countries, there are just children running around with no hope. But if we knew that in our town there was a field, a huge field full of orphan babies that people just dropped off, we would not be sitting in our youth room having a conversation about them. We would be in the field begging God to send money. We would be in the field bringing those babies food. We'd take them out of the field and bring them to the church and we would wash them up and clean them and take care of them and feed them because they're babies. They're lost. They're alone. They have no strength of their own. They have no hope of their own. They're, they're, really gonna, they're just going to die. If we allow them to lay there, they'll die. And the danger is that we let people who are dying in sin, we look at them through the lens of, well, uh, I'm sure somebody else will reach them. Or, or even worse, I, I don't want to be associated with that. If you are outside of the fatherly umbrella, the, the protection of God through the blood of his son, Jesus Christ, you're an orphan. And you have a heavenly father who's calling, come home. Just like the prodigal son, even turn around and come home and, and God will take you in his arms and he'll, he'll adopt you into his family. I'm so thankful that the word says we've received the spirit of adoption by which we can call out Abba, Father. But know this, if you've been commissioned and someone is dying without Christ in your town, then we have work to do. And the, and the work starts today. Whatever is in your way, whatever is in your heart that's causing you to say no to the mission that God has for you, it's very simple. Repent, turn away from the sin, and believe Jesus Christ. You don't have to get perfect to come to Jesus. You go to Jesus so he can start to perfect you. And then we know this. If Jesus is alive, then he's still with us with his Holy Spirit. He said, wait, and my, I'm going to send my spirit to you, and he'll be a guide to you. And I know that the spirit of the living God lives in me, and we are able to live and walk in good, good works even because the Holy Spirit does those things through us. But we have to surrender control of our plans, of our time, of our money, of our lives. And we have to, to give it all to Jesus Christ, to lay it down. My life is not mine. Jesus, you have it. My things are not mine. Jesus, you own it all. And I tell you this, your God can take care of you better than you can. Your God has a better plan for you than you do. It's not wrong to make a plan, but let him change it up. He's still with us by his Holy Spirit. And we're able to walk in the fruits of the Spirit. We're able to walk in the freedom of the Spirit and worship Jesus in spirit and in truth. And then finally, if Jesus is alive then he promised he would return again and receive his church to himself. So we got to be ready. I don't want to be caught in any sin. I don't want to be lost in any darkness when the king of glory, the king of light rides in to rescue us and to deliver us at the day that the resurrection takes place. And I'm going to close this message um, today by reading the last part of 1 Corinthians 15. We read up to the point where he says, in this life only, if in this life only we have hope, then we are the most pitiable. Another translation says, then we are the most miserable. 
But then he goes on, this is what he says, verse 20 of 1 Corinthians 15. But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Death is just sleep for us now in Christ because he's alive. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. But each one in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, afterward those who are Christ's at his coming. Then comes the end, when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father, when he puts an end to all rule and all authority and power. That's demonic, that's earthly, for he must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet, and the last enemy that will be destroyed is death, for he has put all things under his feet. But when he says, all things are put under him, it is evident that he who put all things under him is accepted. In other words, he's not under him, he's over it all. Now when all things are made subject to him, then the Son himself will also be subject to him who put all things under him, that God may be all in all, or get all the glory and be in total control. Today, during the middle of this pandemic, or whenever you hear this message, whatever you're going through, there is a God who is sovereign, which means He's in control of everything around you. And the best news that you will ever hear or ever get the opportunity to share or to ever feel the freedom of is the news that Jesus Christ is not here. Those angels, they gave the word. He is not here. He is risen, like He said. If He's not risen, there is no hope. But if he is risen, and I challenge you today to believe on Jesus for salvation, that he is alive, and to believe in the resurrection. If he is alive today, then he is walking with us by his Holy Spirit, and he just may be drawing you to himself. He's a good father. He's a loving God. He's a just God. But the best news I ever heard in my life was when I was eight years old. And my dad was reading the story of Jesus Christ being crucified. And the best thing that ever happened to me was that day. I said, Jesus, please forgive me of my sin. Please wash me and cleanse me and make me alive. And Jesus did it. And ever since then, I've made mistakes and I've fallen. But I've known this that my God is with me and that he is stronger than anything I face. And I believe that today. We have that hope because he's resurrected. So church, let's believe the word of God. Let's take it. We've got a mission. We've been commissioned by the King of Kings. Let's walk in his authority. Let's walk in his love. Let's recognize and wake up to the reality that people are dying in sin around us without Jesus. Let's walk in his spirit so we won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. And let's look forward to him coming back. And I'm going to close this message with a song that I wrote called As We Wait. And I pray that as you wait for the King of Kings, that you would not wait passively or wait in laziness or fear, but that you would wait actively by being obedient to the call that God has for you. This song uh, was recorded at Sky Studios in Western North Carolina by Brian Allen. Um, I recorded it with 6-8 Worship, which is a group that consists of me, um, my wife Jordan Page, and Levi Sharp. God bless you all. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast.
and to this song as we wait.
Stay free.